Welcome to the clean truth, where we like to call bullshit on the status quo. What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the clean truth. I'm down. I'm your host. Today on the podcast, I've been pretty excited about this one. We've got a guy on the show that I was a really huge fan of when he was a bodybuilder. And I'll be very honest with you, I was even a bigger fan now. He's out of bodybuilding and he owns multiple brands, multiple companies. He's got a really funny as hell podcast if you haven't heard it. Seth Ferrosi. What's happening? <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. I'm pumped, to, I'm pumped to shoot the shit with you. No, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's kind of funny that we're now, we're now, uh, I mean, we're now doing this and we've been chatting back and forth, uh, texts and, and DMs and stuff whenever, whenever we, uh, so my other business partners own a nutrition store and we bought in, we're all owners together, but the big hot seller is clean eats. Like they've been, they've been buying them forever. And now, and now like you and I shooting shit, I'm like, Oh man, I was like, we have so much shit and so much stuff in common going back and forth. I'm like, yep, we've been using your products the whole time. That's always, awesome. And, uh, and my business partners, you know, their big thing is, is, uh, is quality product and good customer service. Sure. And sure enough, like, they're like, oh, no, Clean Eats is the best. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And here we are, like, you know, eight months later, I'm shooting shit with you. <laughs> yeah. That's been one of it's. I need to come up that way and see them. We, we've been talking about coming up that way. The company that does a lot of the print work and design print work for uh, for our brand is right there. It's, I think they're right there in your backyard somewhere. Right there. They're up there in that Pittsburgh area up there. I was, there's uh, one of the printers that we're working with is one of the print, bigger printers up here now. And uh, we just found them and they do, they're, they're legitimately 20 minutes from my house and they do some of the biggest brands in America. <laughs> I didn't even know. Huge, massive facility. I don't know if I want to travel anywhere right now with anybody. <sighs> so we're supposed to, we're, I mean, right now, I mean, I don't even, it's, it's, um, I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's terrifying. Be, I mean, it's not terrifying because of the virus. I'm not really too scared about the virus i'm more scared about what it's going to do to our economy and our people that's exactly what um, i said earlier because dude at the end of the day i mean everybody knows anybody who's ever had pneumonia knows it's one of the worst sicknesses you can get it's very bad it's not fun it's terrible i don't know if it's the, if it's as bad as a nasty pneumonia or if it's just like a really bad flu uh either way i mean the flu kills thousands of people a year and it's understandable when it, they say that this is spreading much faster than the flu and it's potentially can spread. Um, but I never expected mass shutdown. Me neither. I did not. And uh, there was, uh, I think, I just saw something. I can't recall where. Saw earlier today about China. China is hammering us right now saying, you guys are going too far and you're freaking your people out. And, I'm kind of, and I was like, I agree, but I don't. I don't know how much I can base my own knowledge on, except the fact that I don't think I don't think we have to go to these extreme measures. Better safe than sorry, but that's a strong fucking phrase to use whenever the econ whenever the American economy is on it. People, healthy people, regular people aren't dying from this. I you know, what I, you know what I mean? No, I, I agree to sound, totally. I sound bad about it. It's just it's blowing my mind right now. Mm. blowing my mind that's my fear is the economy i'm not i'm not afraid of the the illness per se but everybody freaking out in the economy tanking or, or taking a serious hit is pretty scary i think that the economy is going to if they're like i said i just got off the phone with my fiance and she said that you know we run a gymnastics gym you know we all 
we take it so serious. Cleanliness at a gym is so important. Absolutely. Being in any locker room, you got to take it. And we have young little girls over here. You know, we we do a thorough disinfection every single week. And um, I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, now all the state gymnastics meets are all postponed. We're postponing them. Uh, And right now she said that schools are talking about closing. She said that one of the one of the coaches here, she's a teacher during the day and they're talking about it closing. And I'm like, holy shit, you close schools. This is going to be insane. Be Mm. insane. The crazy thing for me is all the sports are shutting down too. NBA, MLB, everything. It's done. No sports. <laughs> we were joking about it this morning. We were like, so what's Sports Center going to talk about? Like, what, what are they going to talk about? There's no sports going on. That's a good Nothing. question. They're, the sport, <laughs> all the anchors on Sports Center will be like, so um, how you doing today? Yeah. <laughs> it, it'll be, it won't be, I'm like, oh, it's, it is mind blowing right now to me. Crazy. Well, I, I we have, we've got a lot of listeners. I know that, that, that are fans of our brand and listen to the podcast that, that know who you are and they're familiar with your background and everything else. But we also have a lot that really don't. So I wanted to start off just by letting everybody know, like, talk about your background, where you are, who you are yeah. you know, as a bodybuilder, how you came up through and, and, you know, how you got into what you're doing now. I mean, I'm very familiar with the story and everybody around me is, and I think it's great. And it's, it's just fucking amazing, but a lot of people don't know. So, so yeah. So, um, you know, I grew up blue collar town. Like I'm here in Western Pennsylvania. I live now probably about 45 minutes outside of Pittsburgh, um, out in the country. It's always wanted to live in the country, but, uh, I grew up in a blue collar family. My dad owns a small business, still owns it to this day, does kitchens and bathrooms, but uh, growing up, I just wanted to be a pro bodybuilder. I wanted to look good. I was a chubby kid growing up. I didn't like getting my balls busted for being chubby, chubs, chubbers. People, that was my nickname. And um, and it just ate at me. So I, I was like, I just want to get in shape and feel good. Because at that time, you know, you're going through puberty, that young teenage years, and you don't want to get – those things make you feel seriously insecure. Sure. So – I just was like, I don't like this. I want to look good. I want to look good naked. Like I want to take my shirt off and be like, yeah, and have those feelings. And um, so like, I guess for a long story short, I just went on the journey of saying, okay, I know what I want to look like. I just have to make it happen. So I just started going to work. I, I started doing the push-ups and sit-ups before bed. I stopped drinking pop. And then one thing led to another. My dad saw that I wanted to be in shape. And he's like, let me take you to a gym. So then I go to a gym, I play football, I wrestle for a year in high school, and then just find out I like lifting weights. So I found that I really like being individualized sport type of deal. And I never stopped. I lived in eight like a bodybuilder from the time I was probably like 15 years old to the time I was 24, but never competed. I always had in my head, I wanted to compete. I wanted to be a bodybuilder. I wanted to be on a pro stage and everybody cheer for me and look up, get on the front of a magazine, be in magazines, all the cool shit. And I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to compete until I look like I should be in there, which is a really tall order. Right. Like that's, that's insane. But I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I was still in my head. I was still that insecure fat kid, even though I was jammed. 
you know, 230 pounds, Jack, huge, huge arms, all the shit. I still insecure. So, uh, at 24 years old in 2009, that's whenever I decided to compete. I was like, okay, shit or get off the pot. Let's go. And I competed at the two, uh, the 2009 Northern Kentucky in, uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. That was my first show. It was in Kentucky. Like Cincinnati was the city closest to it. Um, so it was borderline right there. And Wasn't that a Beverly I, International show? Yes, it was. <laughs> I competed as a heavyweight. I was 208 pounds. Uh, I was soft, but I looked pretty good because I had a good physique, but I just wasn't in, in good enough shape. And uh, I ended up winning the heavyweight class. And uh, people there were like, they were like, man, like, who are you and where are you from? They were excited, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm Seth. This is my first bodybuilding show. And they're like, get <laughs> the fuck out of here. And I'm like, no, this is my first time on stage. And they're like, oh, OK, this should be exciting to watch. And they're like, what are you doing next? I'm like, I'm going to go to the Mr. Pittsburgh show. And I'm going to do the Mr. Pittsburgh. I like I want to win. And uh, so from there, uh, that Mr. Pittsburgh was five weeks later. And I was like, okay, so what do I need to do? And everybody's like, you need to get in shape. You need to do more cardio. And I'm like, okay, I'll do more cardio. So I just started doing more cardio. I did cardio in the morning and then I lifted weights in the evening and started getting in better shape, lost a couple pounds, but then people were like, you need to make light heavyweight. I'm like light heavyweight. I was like, that's 10 pounds away from where I was. And they're like, you got to make it. You'll be shredded. So fortunately, like two weeks before the show, before the Mr. Pittsburgh show, I met, uh, I, I saw a photographer at the Dave Lieberman show in Ohio and they hooked. And then that person was like, man, you're really good. You should, you should talk to some of the top trainers. I was like, I can't afford shit. I'm broke as I'm a broke body, you know? And then, uh, I got introduced to Hani Rambot yeah. and I was probably two weeks out from the Mr. Pittsburgh. And he was like, Hey, I was like, you know, I told him, I was like, I I can't really pay you any money. And he's like, kid, listen, he's like, let me give you a hand here. You're pretty good. He's like, let's see what we can do. And then we'll work something out. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not going to deny anything from honey fucking Rambod. I'm just excited to talk to him and him give me some advice. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So then, uh, <laughs> he and I became pretty good friends. And whenever he saw me in Pittsburgh, it was like, you know, a day before the show. And he's like, he looks at me and he goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you are a watery mess. He's like, we need to pull water out of you. So 24 hours before the Mr. Pittsburgh show, he yanked like probably nine pounds of water out of me <laughs> because I was a mess. And then uh, sure enough, I ended up uh, I ended up drying out. He ran me through, you know, a protocol. I ended up drying out and then I won the Mr. Pittsburgh show. You know, I won the light heavyweight class. I made weight and then I ended up winning the entire show. And that is the show that put me on the whirlwind. And uh, from there, uh, after the show was over, everybody, you know, muscular development was there. Uh, everybody was, you know, it's Mr. Pittsburgh. Everybody comes in because Jim sure. Mannion, the guy that runs all of bodybuilding, lives in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then I ended up I ended up winning that show. And then they were like, what are you going to do next? I'm like, I want to turn pro. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to nationals. And everybody's like okay really and i'm like yep <laughs> fuck yeah let's go and uh so it was kind of comical at the time but i i was serious and honey said if you want to do it he's like dude you got to change everything like we're going all in 
he's like, this is going to be the, the hardest thing physically you've ever done. And I was like, okay, like I'm ready. I want to be a bodybuilder. I want to fucking win. And, uh, over those next probably like five or six months, that man just absolutely brutalized me. And I came into nationals at 2000 in 2009 at the light heavyweight category. And I, uh, I won, I turned pro there. I lost the overall to Cedric McMillan. Still to this day, I think I should have beat that fuck, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Cedric and I became pretty good friends because after that, you know, he turned pro, he won the overall at nationals and I won the late heavyweight class and he and I became pretty good friends because we both got sponsored by muscle tech. So we were sponsored by muscle tech and muscular development at the same time. So we were traveling to all the same events together and at the same booth, all the stuff. Um, and it was a good time. But uh, after that, I took a year off and then I turned and I was professional and I won the uh, 2011 or 2010. I won the Dallas Europa show, my pro debut. I won that. And uh, then I took a year off and I wanted to grow into the open class. So 2011, I took off in 2012. I came back and did an open show and my and I shit the bed. 2012, I had a really bad showing at the Toronto Pro. Um, uh, things just weren't the same. It, nothing was nothing went the way I thought it was going to go. Um, and I only have myself to blame for it. I, uh, I also used a different type of spray tan at that show and it didn't react right with me either. So not only did I was not in shape enough, but my tan sucked. Yeah. So it was like walking out on stage and just looking horrible. Yeah. Uh, and then at that point, that's whenever I said, I got to be, I'm done, man. I don't want to bodybuild no more. I was, I was out of it. I did one more show after that in Sarasota at the two, at the two twelve class and, uh, my body shit to bed. I, I took, I worked myself way too hard. I did too much cardio. I overdieted and I did, and I overdid it on the gear and it was just horrendous. So then at the same time, my home life was a shitbox mess. My relationship wasn't good. Nothing was good in 2012. And then I said, fuck it. I'm done bodybuilding. I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. I just threw my arms up and I said, fuck it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Then I ended up going home. I got a, I got a regular job. I just was like, I'm done. I just want to be normal. I don't want to do this shit. I was just beaten. I was like a beaten man. I was beaten mentally from bodybuilding. I was beaten mentally from my, from my home life, not going well. My relationship was strained. Nothing went to, was going the way I wanted to. So, um, uh, from there, I just said, screw it. I'm, I'm going to be normal. Two years later, after doing, regular working, regular jobs, jumping from job to job, trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. I, uh, I was like, I want to go back to bodybuilding. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it so much. And I wasn't in shape. I'd stopped lifting weights. I wasn't in shape. And I was like, I want to be bodybuilding. I miss it. So I started lifting weights again. And, uh, I was also working in, uh, I was working in blue collar America. You know, I was doing, I was working, uh, I was a safety consultant. So I was in working in oil and gas. I was working in the oil and gas industry. I was working around construction guys. I was working in manufacturing shops as a safety consultant. And uh, I loved it, but I missed bodybuilding. So I was like, man, I'm going to, I want to go back into bodybuilding. But I was like, if I go back into bodybuilding, I'm not going to be, I don't want to be a sponsored athlete. 
I want to own companies. I want to own stuff. Yeah. And you know as well as I do, if you own shit, you got a lot to sacrifice. Because no, nobody's going to do the work for you. Nobody is going to just hand me anything if I want to own my own business. And um, I was like, okay. That's where the concept of All-American Roughneck came into play. I was like, the I was driving around meeting all these great people from all over the country on job sites in different areas of the, of the country and in different industries. Like I said, construction, manufacturing, oil and gas, still blue collar dudes. But I was like, man, these are good motherfuckers. I was like, I like these people. Like I, I have so much in common. But I'm like, but they're not cool. Like nobody's making them cool because when you look online, it's all flashy shit. And it's these these cars and uh, girls, man. Yeah, nobody was making nobody was making just being a good dude cool. Like nobody was making like nobody was making the like the the dad, sure. the guy that works for his family, the small business owner, the guy that grinds the fuck out of the day. Nobody was making that dude cool. Like the guy that works ten to twelve hours a day in oil and gas or in construction five, six days a week so that his family has opportunity and they live in a nice house and he drives the truck and his kid, and he's getting ready to send his daughter off to college. Like, bro, I cannot tell you how many fucking people I met doing that. And I'm like, this is America. These are my people. Yeah. This is who I am. And I was like, tell you what, if I'm going to go back into bodybuilding, I'm going to make these motherfuckers cool. I'm like, dads are cool. Dads are the baddest dudes on the planet because they're, they'll work themselves into the ground for their people. So that's whenever I was like, All-American Roughneck. And I had the idea. It was great. But then I'm like, I don't know how to turn a computer on properly. <laughs> I can't. How the fuck am I going to ever design a T-shirt? Because I was like, because me at the time, I was, I wore hats every day at work. And I was like, I don't have any like cool hats. And I was like, I got to have a cool hat. Like All-American Roughneck hats with a cool logo and a cool feeling behind it. And... um I remember so, them, man. I remember the, uh, I remember the launch video that you put out, which launched the <laughs> yeah. whole brand. The very yeah. first time I saw that, I jumped up out of my chair with a monster boner. I wanted to grab my shotgun and just go blow shit up. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I man. showed my wife at the time. I was like, "Look at this! Look at this shit!" I loved it. It's and 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 it's like uh, I we were joking about it this morning. It's like it's just like um. Men, grown men are still children in their heads. I don't know if women are because I'm not a woman. But for us, I know that like when you get a group of guys together, they'll do dumb shit. Absolutely. So it's like we're, we're still <laughs> the same dudes we were when we were like nine years old. Like you give a nine year old, a group of nine year olds something, they're, they're going to have fun with it and then they're going to break it. It's the same thing with us as now. Like you give me, you give us anything. It's like, oh, this is great. Da, 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 da. And then we're going to do something stupid. And, and I was, and my thing is, is, I'm like, this is who we all are, but we provide and love our family so much. And I was like, this needs to be the thing. So that launch video was what we came up with just a bunch of mayhem of who we are and what we believe in and all the good shit. And lo and behold, the comp Bob, my business partner, I, he, I met him and I was like, I, you know, I wanted him to, I was like, he knew computers, building websites, designing stuff. He was a designer, knows all the shit. And he was the one who brought it all to life. And at the time, like I told him, I was like, I can't give you any money. I was like, I have no money to give you. But 
if this works, Bob, I was like, I'll give you half of everything I ever do. And he's like, mm, half of a lot's a lot. He's like, but half of nothing's nothing. He's like, but I'll take the chance. I'm like, cool, dude. And lo and behold, like I was saying, it became what it is today, which is the company that I dreamed it would become. And it still feels like we're just getting started. Like we sell out of our apparel um, within within days now. And sometimes like the small release we did from the Arnold, it sold out in minutes. But what is what is insane to me is that uh, all the people that we market to, that follow me, that do everything that we do, have the same feelings inside of me. The same feelings that I have about life and about my family and about work, they have. Otherwise, they wouldn't buy the shirt. Sure. So whenever they put the shirt on or put the hat, the sweaty, the sweat-stained hat that they wear every day to work like I used to do, my hat's going on their head. That's and awesome, I'm like, man, man is that a fucking cool, wild feeling? So, um, from all that, you know, I worked for different companies. I was a sponsored athlete for bodybuilding with supplements and I'm a huge supplement guy. And, uh, Bob and I, uh, almost two years ago now we met, we met Mike and Pat who uh, are other business partners. Uh, they, Pat's been in the supplement industry for 20 years. He manufactured for 12. So he knows it in and out. And we, uh, we met together and we all decided to say, fuck it. Let's put all of our money into one pile. And and go for broke because starting a supplement company is stupid expensive. It's very difficult to do. But I knew what our sales were and I knew our capabilities. And we all just said uh, it, it, we were joking about it again, like we were driving around today looking at properties. And uh, we were all like, man, remember whenever we started this and like took the chance on each other? Like we we all put all of our money in the one spot. Like that whole joke about let's put our money together and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> We did it and went for broke, and, and uh, we uh, Axe and Sledge is the supplement company that we started, and it has become um, – we've become a leader in, in the bodybuilding industry. We're a very quick-growing company. We have high-quality high quality ingredients, high-quality products, and um, we make it fun. Our goal was to be a leader of how they should – of how supplements should be formulated as well as flavored as well as presented. This is supposed to be fun. In bodybuilding and in fitness, I believe people should enjoy their life. We all work way too hard at everything else to not, like, want to go and, and, and fuck shit up in the gym after your day of work. Like, let me take a good free workout that I that, – that just it's a quality product, but it also has the flair and the fuckery that you want. I dig it, man. I'm a – I always say to my, I always say to everybody around me, I'm a big branding guy, and when I find a, a brand – or a company that, you know, a company that has a brand and a culture behind it and a meaning and a, and a good purpose behind it, I'm all in. I'm a customer for life. And I don't have too many of those. Um, you know, I can count on one hand. And, and I've added your brand to that. And because of everything that you just said, you know what I mean? And the supplement part of it to me, since, I, since I've quit competing, you know, I, I only competed for a few years. But since I've stopped competing, I, I'm still working out. I'm still training and I still take a lot of supplements. The first yeah. form guys have been really good friends of ours. We I grew up in St. Louis with some of those guys, so I'm I'm really close to a lot of them, and they have amazing <laughs> supplements. Yeah. And then when I found your stuff and I started taking some of your stuff, I'm like, holy fuck, this is good stuff. This is awesome. So I only it's, have two brands of supplements in my cabinets. That's it. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. It's funny that uh, 
it's funny you mentioned them because their their model of how they run their business after like I, I got to know Sal a little bit better. Uh, I see him once a year up in um up in New York for the uh, the natural body event. Yeah. And uh, and we were we're we're not right next to him, but a couple booths over. And at the end of the day, we start shooting the shit. And uh, Sal's a super guy. Sal's Andy's brother. Uh, and uh, like the same mindset. Yep. The same concept of just being a good dude. Producing just doing the a right good thing product. too. With, yeah, and do it like it seems crazy to think, but doing the right thing. Like, bro, people people have a misconception, or I guess some brands do this. Like, I don't like taking a handout from anyone. If I need one, like I need one, I'm going to I'm going to call somebody that that will help me that I know will help me, and I would ever, I would do the same for them. But I don't ask for handouts or free shit because I don't want them. Like if as a business owner, you now under everybody understands like what it takes to run a business. It takes money, time, effort, sacrifice. So like you, you never ask me for free supplements. Right. No, no I don't you, ever do that. I won't do that with anybody. No, no, no. I and and nor what do I call you and be like, hey, can you like send up free clean eats meals for me? <laughs> no, no, because it's 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 a it's a it's an I feel I've always felt this way because my dad owns a small business. Like everybody's time is worth money. Absolutely. Everybody's time is worth something. And I don't ever like to ever step my boundary saying I'm worth your free time. I've made many posts about that online before about how, you know, if you want to, if you want to support your friends and you want to support their business, buy their stuff. Don't ask them for a discount. Yes. I mean, I've seen something similar to that, too. Like, it's crazy how people in local areas like, oh, my buddy's starting up this and you expect free free shit from him. And it's like, no, man, he's trying to make it. You should support him and buy it. And there are a ton of local people that do that for us and have have done it for me in the past. And and I feel the same. Like like you said, you like you support brands. Bro, I do, too. Like I'm I whenever I want something, I will purchase it and I will not have a problem because. I know how hard that person worked to put in that put effort into what they're doing. Sure. And and anybody that does it, man, fuck, it's really hard. Like there's in the beginning, how many times in the beginning of your business, like you, you work in an industry that I think is, I think you're batshit crazy. That's why I'm excited. Like whenever you come up, bring you on our podcast, bro, the food industry is something that I have no business in. Oh, it's crazy. I could never do it. I might pull my, I already pull my hair out some days. I don't, I couldn't imagine it. It's crazy to think where it came from just since Yvonne and I started it. I mean, we started this and we actually started the doing prepackaged meals before uh Facebook was a thing. It was in 2009. We were in, we were back in St. Louis and we used to text our menu out on a flip phone, like where you had to press the, (laughs) press the nine three times to get a T. So, yeah. I mean, you know, like all these prepackaged food companies, now you can get online and throw a tennis ball and hit nine of them. Yes. I mean, they're everywhere. So the, the market yeah. has definitely been saturated. But, yeah, I mean, we've been doing this a very, very long time. And I think doing the things that you mentioned, what you guys have been focused on with your business, I think that's what's kept us alive is just focused on putting out a good product and taking care of our customers. It's about as simple as that. It ain't rocket science. No, and in, in – in... You know, we value our customers a lot for what they do because, uh, you know, whenever you produce a good product, you're going to have return buyers. 
whenever you can retain your customers, that's the most important thing in business. You want to be able to retain the customers that that come and buy your products once. And I believe that producing a high quality product is how you retain customers. Like whenever we buy meals from you, like obviously the easiest thing to do is whenever we purchase meals, we have the, all the meals that come into the store. Whenever they come in, the ones that sell the quickest and the, and the most often, those are the ones people like. Those are your return buyers. Those are the people that like that product. So it's, it's, it's simple math. But you'll pull your hair out in the beginning, and after you get your 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 whole base down, you're good. Yep. You know, but uh, producing a producing a quality product is what I believe to be the most important thing in business. You got to, you got to, because there's a lot of flashy stuff out there. There's a lot of flashy companies, and then uh, you know, I like I love the bodybuilding industry, uh, but there's ones out there that they got a lot of flash and a lot of glam, but then they don't deliver this the same to the same caliber of quality products still cool looking and all that stuff but just the quality has got to be there That's i mean how how what would you say how competitive is the food industry oh it's it's pretty competitive now like i said i mean you got well the big thing now is mom and pop shops popping up you know you've got mm-hmm. yes you know uh jane doe at the gym who's who wants to do meals for her clients you know, all of a sudden wants to start a meal plan company. Well, then she gets into it and realizes there's more to it than that, which, you know, 10, 12 years ago when we started, we didn't think about that either. So, I mean, I don't want to knock anybody for that. They have a passion and a dream, and I'm all for that. But sure. then they get into it now where it's a bigger industry, and they don't take into consideration food cost, buying power, you know, the, the containers that the meals go in. Those things aren't cheap. Um, if, you're not, if you're not buying them on a high volume, they're not cheap. No way. And also, and also that, what about, my question was, my big question was like shelf life. Yeah. Like how do you get your ingredients in and then flash freeze it or concoct it all and then flash freeze it all so that nothing ever goes bad? Like your system has to be on point, huh? Oh yeah. I mean, we're, we have a full fledged USDA facility. I mean, we've got a USDA inspector. So there's, he might actually be in the next office over from me right now. He's here every day. Um, no shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, with the distribution side of it. I mean, we run the franchise company too, which those are brick and mortar restaurants Yeah, and, and yeah. they do, they do fresh meals. Um, I think our closest one to you would be in Lancaster. Um, yeah. Out East. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's how we do it. That's the only way to do it is to freeze them. I mean, we've gotten, people have made complaints about frozen food before, but I mean, if you want to, if you want to conserve the you know, the, the quality of the product, you got to freeze it or it's going to go bad. Well, well, yeah, but the, on the, I mean, that's, well, that's my biggest concern would be like food going bad, but even like at, I'm putting the ones that we eat, the flash frozen stuff out of the category of what is available in the bodybuilding world or up against anything that would be quote unquote healthy or organic in the grocery store or you guys kill it. That's why that's why we continue to buy it because it always delivers on the same level of quality every single meal. And for me, the most important thing, the way I judge a lot of stuff is, is how bad does it mess with my belly? Like what what are the things that mess with my belly, make me feel bloated, uncomfortable, gassy, bubble guts, all that stuff. And I mean, I've tried a good bit out. There's been companies reach out to me. They've done it in the past, but I don't I don't really want to I don't want I will never promote a product that sucks. I won't do it. I well, can't do it. Well, I appreciate that. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. And just in anything there is, but yeah, I'm, it's good. <laughs> As it, whenever I was in, uh, right out of college, my brother and I were big on burgers and beer. Like we loved going to burger joints and beer joints. And I was always like, man, I'd love to own my own burger and beer joint. Like really good, a bunch of good beer. And then just do really awesome burgers. Like all the, all the basic shit that you see everywhere. And it was, oh, this was fuck 2000, like 2008, 2007, we were talking about this. So from then to now, there's a ton of burger and beer joints. Uh, but the more I looked at it, I was like, I had no clue because the food industry is brutal. brutal. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to make it, man. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, yeah, I know I, you mentioned that you, you almost talked about this a second ago, but I wanted to ask you this. What is, what do you think? about the state of bodybuilding right now, that whole industry, the industry part of it. You know what I mean? Because when my wife and I were competing, you know, in 2009, 10, 11, and 12, even I think we quit competing in 2014. Just in the last six years, it's been a whole, it's changed dramatically. I mean, we would, we were those psychos that would go buy the VIP passes to the Arnold and run around with trick-or-treat bags and go throw all of our shit in the bag. And then, you know, yeah. now I won't go anywhere near the Arnold. I just, I just don't have, I mean, not because I have an issue with the sport or anything like that or anything. I just I just don't want to deal with the crowd anymore. I just my the the interest just isn't there. But I mean, it just seems like the whole industry has changed with social media. It's just a lot different. I used to love buying those big ass thick magazines and I'd yeah. be I'd be enamored with it for a month before I got through the whole damn thing. And now I saw a muscular development magazine on the shelf the other day and there might have been forty pages in it. It was really, I've done the same. I, every, whenever I'm at Walmart or something, I cruise by just to look at the magazine. Cause I used to be the dude that would run for the magazines. Right. Um, but from, all right. So this is tough because I am a huge fan of bodybuilding. Absolutely. I still follow all the big pros. I know the young amateurs I'm, I'm into it. Uh, so my, I don't know if this is like a boomer esque way of thinking, but like, it's like back in my day, <laughs> all that <laughs> shit. But the, because I feel like that's what people did to me whenever I was coming up in like oh nine, they were like, "Well, back in my day, ten years ago, I'm like, oh fuck, here we go." Yeah, everything was um, the late nineties guys. Uh, yeah, the late. Go ahead and fucking go train with the late nineties guys. They were psychopaths. Yeah. Uh, but um, so, me personally, I think the biggest. Everybody knows this, but the internet has changed how everything is done. Absolutely. The internet. The internet is like the greatest thing to ever happen to us as a society, but it has also changed how so many things are done. The internet has built millionaires overnight. People have lost millions on the internet overnight in this industry, in, in our industry. I believe that people now, uh, have looked at it and said that I, well, here's what I'm getting at. The most popular people in the fitness industry do not compete. The most popular people don't compete. They built businesses. They just do their own. Their, they have they have more sponsorship money coming in because rather than focus on a bodybuilding show, they focus on themselves. They focus on themselves as a brand. Like as an individual, they're like, sure. I'm such and such. This is me. I'm not going to compete. I'm going to build a brand. And then some of the bodybuilders that still do compete they do that to a certain degree as well, but they do not capitalize the same way on the other people because they're still super focused on themselves getting bigger, 
training for a show because there's no fucking way I could train for a show and run my business. Absolutely not. I think about that no, all the time. No fucking way. The not day, at the profession. I, I threw a scoop of unicorn blood down my throat the other day and went and trained arms and I was posing in the mirror a little bit. And I'm like, I could do this again. And then about 20 <laughs> minutes after the workout, I'm like, what the fuck was I even thinking about doing that for? <laughs> what, what happened right there? <laughs> I do the same, I, but I love looking good and I love the industry. And, and that's why we support it. You know, we support all the shows, all the local stuff around here we support. My thing, my take on it is I don't know if we are in, an, in, a, in a point right now where bodybuilding is just in a transition period. I said it the other day. I think I said it on a podcast the other day that um, uh, I, there's no big time there's no jay cutler ronnie coleman phil heath dorian yates right now in our industry there's no dominant sob that just doesn't lose right and and it's leaving the door wide open and no one is really nailing down like i'm king shit come fucking take my come try and take the throne there's no one really like that like anybody that steps on there could possibly win Meanwhile, when you would see like, I mean, Phil Heath and Jay Cutler had a great r rivalry for a minute. Dexter Jackson always looks great. One of the best bodybuilders of all time. Like, but Ronnie Coleman would step out and you're like, fuck, nobody's beating Ronnie. Who's taking second? <laughs> you know, so it, it, and, it, and that's what it all that made that exciting as well. But um, I think that uh, bodybuilding with all the different divisions as well, bro, I'm a big classic physique fan. I love classic physique. No, I do I too. Think I think it's great. The guys are shredded. They yeah. look like they suffer more than anyone. Yeah. The classic physique guys look like the guys of the nineties. Yep. I, I almost wish they'd give, they'd up the weight class 10 more pounds because then they'd be, <laughs> they'd be even bigger. It'd be nuts. <laughs> you know? And I think that's the look that, I mean, I'm attracted to the look. I'm, I, I want to, I was, really disappointed that they canceled the Arnold for uh, the expo and everything. Cause I was going and I really wanted to see classic physique. I wanted to see what they look like in person on stage because I used to go to bodybuilding shows in 0809 and see that. And, and, and I saw some of those competitors that were main mainstream looked. Um, so uh I don't I don't have a problem with where, where the industry is. I am accepting it for what it is. And I'm just hoping that the people at the top have their shit together enough that they know that they're taking this in the direction that it needs to go. Um, and this might just be, like I said, like a transition period. Uh, but I agree. I do I kind of agree with you. I, we always have a. I, sorry. But I, I, yeah, no, no, no. And I didn't want to take anything like uh, like I was saying, like, I, I, I wish that. I wish the competitors made more money because I know that I make, I make a hundred times the money as an, as a business owner, as I did as an athlete. Sure. And it's tough to say because it's like, man, like uh, the athletes in bodybuilding should be getting paid way more money than they do. And I wish they did. But when you run a business, Business is business. You can't take things personally, but I wish that there was a way for the competitors to be able to make more money so that more people would compete um, and put it towards there. But being an Instagram, being an Instagram model for lack of better ways or whatever, man, they make a lot of money. Yeah. They, they, there's a ton of people that make a shitload of money. So. No, I agree. I mean, I think 
Yvonne and I, we've always made it a point to always keep giving back to that industry. And, um, you know, here in the Carolinas, Mike Valentino stepped down as the chairman here and he's a good buddy of ours, good friend of ours We're yeah. friends with him and his wife and, uh, Trey Bennett, the guy that took it over, you know, we, I reached out to Trey and I said, you know, I still want to keep sponsoring, you know, as many shows as I can and, and do just, you know, an overall over encompassing sponsorship with all of the Carolina shows, because if it wasn't for the NPC and, you know, Mike taking care of Yvonne and I and, and, uh, really treating us well when we sponsored these shows and going around to these shows and, and, uh, promoting our business, we wouldn't be where we are right now. I mean, I, that's just the simple fact of it. I mean, when we started the brand itself, we, we geared it towards gym rats, meatheads and, and bodybuilders and competitors. I mean, that's really how we set you know, we've got a lot of marketing on that. And that's how we started the brand itself was, you know, through, through com- competitions and, and marketing it that way. So it'll always have a soft spot in my heart and I'll always keep giving back to it as much as I can. Oh yeah. It, it's bodybuilding. It's yeah. fucking wild. It's the crazy. It's one of the craziest sports on the planet. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I'm very curious to see, uh, what happens this year with the Mr. Olympia and with Athleticon. Um, uh, the rock has his show and I think it's, what is it? October 10th, I believe we have marked, but we reached out to them because we want to see what it's all about to be a vendor and see what their, their, their setup is for what they have, because it's supposed to be another big venue for the fitness industry, you know, and, and I'm excited. I'm curious to see what happens with the Olympia with a new owner. Um, and Arnold apparently is involved with the, with this year's Olympia as well, or he's going to be going forward. So, uh, I'm hoping that it gets, I'm hoping that it gets bigger. I'm hoping that they can find a way to pull more money for the athletes and not just for, uh, themselves. Uh, I think that pulling more money for the athletes is a vital thing to do. It will drive, I think it will drive more people to com- competition. It would give more them, give, give them more incentive. So I'm curious to see how it goes, but I mean, I'm excited. We go to Vegas every year, so it'll be a good time. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh. Talk about your podcast for a minute. I mean, I know yes. been, I listen to that fucker every time. And the, <laughs> the the crazy thing was, I don't remember where we were flying back from. Yvonne and I just came back from a flight not too long ago. And I was listening to one and she was actually slapping me in the arm because I, I'm on a quiet plane and I've got my headphones in and nobody can hear it. And then I just start busting up laughing <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> so, so uh, we've been wanting to do a podcast for a while, but I was like, hey, I, I said – uh, whenever we, the, my thing growing up, that blue collar industry, my dad owned a, uh, owned a cabinet shop. Like I grew up around grown men that were semi, not semi, they were very vulgar, like rough dudes, you know, sure. but we always listen to DVE in the morning and WDVE up here is like, bro, it's the working man's radio station, classic rock. They had morning radio from 6am to 10am and they had their, their spots on there. They bring in every Tuesday. They had a comedian on every Friday was uh, the electric lunch where you could call in and you could say whatever, what tell them what song you wanted to play from the classic rock. Like it's, it's the working man's radio channel. Okay. And I loved it, grew up with it. And I loved the morning radio. And then whenever I was driving as a safety consultant, I was like, I would listen to, I'd find the stations that I liked. There was Sirius XM. Then there was, uh, there was just times of the day whenever I knew what I wanted to listen to on talk radio or a good radio station. So, and then certain podcasts were getting big at that time. So I listened to those as well driving, you know, that was back in 
like 2016, 2017. So I was like, I want to do a podcast, but when I want to do it, I want it to be like a morning radio show. I want it to be where it's us shooting the shit, Bob and myself. I want it to be us shooting the shit about life, about the things we're into. I want to bring on guests that are, that are, uh, I mean, it's called the HWMF podcast. So I want to bring in other hardworking motherfuckers. I want them to tell their story. I want to hear adversity. I want to ask them fucked up questions. I want to ask people questions that come on the inappropriate questions that no other person wants to ask. I dig it. You know, I want, I want to, I want people to bring themselves to life on a podcast. I want people to be vulnerable. I want them to tell intimate parts of their life. I want people to hear it. I want them to open up and be, I, cause everybody in life has gone through some shit. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got some feeling. And if you're listening to my podcast and you hear other hardworking motherfuckers that went through something similar to what you did, it is going to have the opportunity to make your life better. And on a, on a morning radio show, it's all about a good time. You want people to feel good. You want people to be excited to go to work. You want people to be excited about going home to their families and their kids and their kids' functions and whatever they're doing. And I told Bob, when we start the podcast, I don't ever want to stop. I want to do two podcasts a week. I want them to be scheduled, and I just want to get on it, and I want people to get into it like the morning radio. Every morning I knew DVE was on from 6 to 10. You can count on our podcast being released every Tuesday and Friday morning. They get released 7 a.m. on YouTube. Um, Monday night and Thursday nights, we release them at 9 p.m., the audio version. And then the next morning, the YouTube goes up. Um, it finishes getting uploaded and all that happy stuff for Tuesday morning and Friday morning. That way, everybody to work. Everybody can listen to it. And go with it. I wanted my goal with it was to is for people to just hear two regular dudes, Bob and I, and you know what we do here. We're pretty successful, yet we're still big dumb kids. We still <laughs> get yelled at by our wives. We still do really dumb shit. We still we still are like, hey, you know, now we make some money. Like, what can we buy that's pretty that, that we've always wanted to buy? We've always wanted to buy a skid steer and an excavator. Like, cause we both have a bunch of property. So we bought a skid steer and an excavator. It's like you, you two, you two are a couple of dumbasses, aren't you? <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> you know? So the, it's, it's, we just, uh, we're just having a ball doing it. And, and our goal is for other people to just really enjoy it. I want people to be excited about their day. You know, if you're, if you're in a bad spot in your life, dude, like you can, you know, we, we've all been there and you can pull yourself out. Sometimes you just need some, some intense positivity. You need oh, to man, hear some good shit from people. I'm enjoying it, man. So yeah, we have, and, and we have good segment on there. We, uh, the one segment at the end, we call it, it's called answer the internet where Barstool sports <laughs> has this card <laughs> yes. game with a bunch of fucked up questions. They're like inappropriate, like really screwed up questions. And, uh, so that's what I was Shane, laughing about on the plane, I think. Yeah, dude. It's like it, the one question, the one that got everybody was, would you rather be blind or dickless? That, yes. I remember that. And you're like, you're like, wait a minute. So I can either have, I can't see shit or I'm going to have no dick. Like, oh man. I choose blind. I'm going to be blind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I could live. I don't think I'd function too well with, I'd be like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. What am I going to do? So... Uh, but 
you know, it lightens up the day, man. And we've we've had a lot of success with it. It's going really well, and we're just we're just we're gonna keep doing it, keep pushing, and keep having a ball. Awesome. Yeah. Well, man, before I jump off of here, this has been great. Thank you for the time. But uh, I got yeah, one, I got one small proposal for you. I, I've been th- sitting here before we jumped on the podcast. I had an idea for a business, Uh-oh. and uh, you being in, you know involved in the trades, I think you'll appreciate this. So we might be, we might want to talk about this. Uh huh. Let's start investing in toilet parts and plungers now. <laughs> I mean, everybody's out there buying up all the shit tickets. What are they going to do when the shit breaks down? Yep. I well, mean, that's, is Roto Rooter a public company? I've been I so I said this. Uh, I, one of my things is like, bro, the one of the scariest things that happens in your home, like, is if your toilet doesn't flush. Ugh. Especially bro, with if company. your toilet doesn't flush, you're like, oh, dude, oh man, this sucks. Ugh. Plumbers, dude, plumbers and tradesmen. Yeah, we need skilled skilled tradesmen. Skilled tradesmen is a huge huge commodity right now and if you are a plumber i mean you if my toilet doesn't flush or my septic tank gets all backed up bro you gotta come plan my shit yep so you're pretty much naming your price (laughs) yeah you could you could be like it's gonna cost you 20 grand i'll be like no it's not i'm not paying it he's like well i'm gonna leave and you're gonna have shit all through your house (laughs) okay so 20 grand huh all right, sounds good. <laughs> For twenty grand, I might go elbow deep. I'm not sure, but <laughs> but I still don't know what I'm doing down there. <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. So, but I agree. Uh, it's yeah, it's crazy with everybody. I don't hoarding toilet paper was the one thing I didn't know why people did it. Ugh. I, I, I use socks. Why. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Oh, just bring it out. I'll just hop in the shower. I'll spray myself down. I'm cool. Right. <laughs> Well, man, thank you again oh, for the man. time, man. I really appreciate you jumping on here. This has been great. Yeah, dude, thanks thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited. It's always good to shoot the shit. Awesome. I'll make it up to see you here real soon. I'll, I'll come up to Pittsburgh. Absolutely, dude. Your door's always open. Always a good time. Podcast table. Awesome. Train, little whiskey, good dinner. I'm Can't in. Beat it, Don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. All righty. Well, there you have it. That's our two cents, and that's our clean truth. For more information on Clean Eats, visit www.cleaneats.com. To find Yvonne and I on social media, on Instagram, I'm Don underscore Verity, V-A-R-A-D-Y. To find Yvonne, it's just Yvonne Verity, all lowercase. Thank you. Have a great day, guys.